So, Mace Corps and Dresden, you are in the war camp. You've been in the final councils. You've heard the airtight logic about why you can't just fly the ring to Mount Doom. <laughs> and you now know the challenge that you are facing is a ground battle across the chain of islands and the bridges that connect them. Scouts have gone ahead and brought back intel that suggests that the first of the three islands is the least reinforced as Zargon is mustering his troops further out to sea on the volcanic island where he may be using the energy and the magic of the volcano to provide some power for his magical machinations. So the first island is the target for the first skirmish. The goal is before the sun sets on the first day to capture the first island and hold your positions there. The weather in this region has gotten steadily worse as you've been here. There's no rain falling, but the clouds have grown low in the sky and heavy and dark, and the sun barely peeks through even first thing in the morning or right before sunset. And so it is a dark gray landscape in front of you. The two of you wake up on the morning of the assault, and you hear a commotion in the camp, and the two of you are sharing a tent, just like old times. Nice. But you can hear some commotion outside. What do you do? Um, how, what's what's the type of commotion? Is it like a like concerning commotion or like a like? Do we know like what the vibe of the commotion is like? It doesn't sound like panic. It sounds more like interest, excitement. Okay. Uh, Dresden, do you hear that? Do, do you know what? Do you hear what all those sounds are? Yes, it's uh. It's very strange. It doesn't sound like anything is wrong, but uh, rather something has happened. Should we go and investigate? Yeah, uh, let's go get our stuff just in case. And um, I quickly throw on, I guess, you know, some gear, some armor, but and I take my bow. But like, it's not like I'm in full plate or anything. Oh, Dre- Dresden yeah. is in full on, like, everything. Fully dressed. He actually slept in his armor. Um, just ready to go. So, he's... he's with the he, uh, he, private he, part, now sewn. Yeah, with, with, with his, his Johnson now, now safely tucked away. He's gonna grab a staff and, uh, follow my score. Excellent. When you emerge from your tent, you see people are pointing toward the water. And the waters around these islands are choppy. And the winds have been kicking up as the storm has been brewing in the sky. So there hasn't been a lot of ship travel happening. Um, though some of the folks who are here in your army did travel there by ship. Some of the folks from uh, the southern regions of Finradel, as well as some from the far west that you aren't particularly familiar with. They arrived some time ago, though, to the muster point, and so um, the excitement is that uh, a ship is spotted off the coast that is well known for trafficking in illegal alcohols from Vonralia, and it's one from the Horn, and it's one that you recognize, both of you, as you see it approaching the coast, you recognize Mama's house, and 
the deck of Mama's house appears to be brimming with activity as a full crew made up of members of all three of the triumvirate gangs of the Horn have come to your aid. And the ship lands, and they throw up a ladder uh, to climb up some of the cliffs on the coast to reach your camp. It's only, you know, a 15-foot cliff roughly down to the rocky beach below. And climbing up the ladder, you see Nigel Cornfarthing and Mama and Blue Betty, all three, leading their followers. You see Mario, you see Byron Highwater, you see Patty, you see Ward Squid, you see Puff R. Fish, Carol Reef, Sam and Sammy, and one person at the back of the group uh, you react slightly differently to with a startled, worried feeling and a sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach as you recognize the face of Billiam Willers. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and he sees the two of you, out, picks you out of the crowd, and Mace Core, he starts walking pointedly in your direction. What do you do? So, have I made eye contact with him? Or can I choose not to at this moment? <laughs> you could try not to. Okay, so what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to be, I'm going to say, I'm going to make a make a remark to, to Dresden, and then, uh, I, I w- which I'll say in a second. Um, and then I'm going to try and, I see him, but I'm going to ignore him and go straight for Nigel. Um, uh, Dresden, it's, it's all the... I don't know if they're our friends, but it's everyone from the horn. It's the it's the the big three. Uh, we better go say hi and invite them in. And uh, I think you are right. I will follow you, and I'm gonna follow in closely behind Mayscore, trying to avoid. Can I like? Are we successful in that? <laughs> uh, let's do a. Uh, man, it's like an evasion kind of thing. So I guess let's do a dexterity check. See how well you. Saving throw or just regular? Yeah, saving throw. Just a regular old dex dex check. Damn. Ten. Uh, it's uh, 23. Nice. Not natural, but 23. So between the two of you and the greeting party that has come from the camp to reach out to these folks and bring them in, you manage to dodge around a crowd of people, and Billiam is like peering up over them on his tiptoes trying to see where you went. And you get around this little crowd of folks, and you come to where Nigel is standing. Nigel, um, I'm I'm so glad you guys are here. Oh yes, well we couldn't couldn't leave you out here on your own. Not if this was going to come to our shores as well. <laughs> it's it's uh it's very it's very good to see you, and and we appreciate your help, and maybe your boats will be of of help as we uh. You know, if we engaged in any warfare, so we appreciate all your help. No, yeah, yes, well, we will try to provide as much naval support as we can on that old hunk of junk. After all, someone seems to have stolen my ship. That's a story for another day. We're here now. How similar does Dresden look to his, the one form that pretty different. Nigel would have known? Pretty different, right? Yeah, probably pretty different. So you don't look so good. Have you not been eating well? Uh, it's a long story. We don't need to get into it. Um, as okay, you say that Dresden. Both of you, 
hear the sound of a high-pitched clear horn blast. And it's coming from the opposite side of the camp from where you're standing near the shore. And just as quickly as this commotion started at the shore, welcoming these additional warriors, it ebbs as people turn and look in the other direction. And cresting a hill just beyond the camp, you now see rank-and-file marching in shining plate armor about 300 dwarven warriors. Mm. And they have drums, and they have horns, and their weaponry looks pristine and extremely dangerous. And at the front of their rank-and-file, you see a very ancient-looking dwarf. And he's wearing... He's holding a shield that has a crest for a town called Cornerstone, which none of you have heard of, but apparently it's a large dwarven community of some sort that got the word, and they have sent their warriors. And so you have received some reinforcements at this, the 11th hour. And morale in camp could not be higher at this point. Um, to add in some specialized naval warriors and another legion of foot soldiers has really bolstered the mood and hope is soaring. And with that, final battle plans must be made. And so Mace Corps and Dresden are going to be leading a unit together and my question for the two of you is what kind of units uh soldiers would you like with you just in a general sense and then if you wouldn't mind picking out maybe like let's say four of your favorite uh people from the camp that you would want in your unit with you who are not also leading units so you can't pick like Lanira or Branthos, or trying to think who else, like Mama or Nigel or Blue Betty, probably. Mm. Um, but sort of like you know, foot soldiers from the from your travels. Like, who would you want fighting alongside you? Um, I think in my unit, I want half archers, but I also want all the the tons, like the Barringtons, the, the oh, the guards. I want all the I want all of them, <laughs> if that's if that's possible. So you get up to four named characters between oh, okay. the two of you. Oh, okay. So oh, I have four named. I have five. Yeah, I have five named guards. So if you want all the guards, I'll give you all. Um, I'll give you an extra person. But I want also Officer Jerry. I want Officer Jerry. And is Zoe? Is she? Would she be leading her own thing, or is she? Is she here? Uh, you haven't seen her yet. Ah, okay. Give me Lyle and Officer Jerry. All right, Lyle and Jerry. And I'm looking for mostly magic, like mostly uh, like mages, but maybe some foot soldiers as well. So like if Hilsey wants to go half okay. archers and half like something else, I want to go half mages and half like infantry. Um, is Draxar leading a unit? He is not. Okay. I'm going to choose Draxar. Ooh. That's um, a good one, Hilsey. Oh, God. Um, you know, I was thinking Allie Doyce win because I think that would be cool, but I mean- 
Mario is the biggest fan of our podcast. I feel like I should give, I should take Mario with me. Um, oh man! So I'm gonna do Mario and Draxar. Wait, so who all did you guys pick? So they've got Lyle Spellgood, Officer Jerry, Draxar, and Mario. That's a what that's a, a good crew. operation. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, Mario's there to unclog the toilets. You got Draxar there to take take names, kick some ass. We got Lyle. Lyle's a pretty powerful spell user, so he's he's solid. And Officer Jerry's just going to beat the shit out of people with his clipboards. <laughs> it's Officer Jerry and his team of youth druids. Oh, yeah, the youth druid clipboard wielders. Oh, man, yeah, actually, Lyle is uh, he's a good... He's a good spellcaster. Yeah, nice. Lyle was, he was the one that, um, Lyle, he cast something on Dean Spellgood, right? Yeah. Yeah. To be like, tell me the truth. I, he what did Zone it? of Truth on her, right? Or no? Something. Oh, yeah, I think so. Or like Dispel Magic yeah. or something. Yeah. Because she was making him forget. Your scouts, looking ahead, have suggested that your dragons take to the sky and attempt to take the first island without involving foot soldiers. Macecore, you're the one that is supposed to bring that message to them before the battle starts. Uh, And so you are approaching the leader of the dragons, with whom you've spoken a few times, as they have set up their own camp off to the side of the war camp, a little bit further into the woods. What do you say to him? Okay, uh, uh, comrade, um, we're we're almost ready to go, and we have a first first game plan of action. Um, we thought that due to your overwhelming power and and just prowess in battle, um, we know the first island is made up of minions and um, really low low level grunts. And we were thinking, in order to preserve our manpower, um, to see how if you if uh, you and and the the dragon team can wipe out the first island so we can preserve our strength. He says, and he's in his, like, um, handsome elven form to have this conversation with you, and he says, please, call me Barthracor. It is my dragon name. Barthracor, um, uh, what what do you think about that plan? We we also have no intel on their aerial systems, Do, do we... Am I saying? Am I accurate? Like, so there's been some suggestion that flying right into the final island, especially, is not going to work. Okay. Um, and I think that they, the dragons, would already know that they've been looped in on some of this stuff. And I think that this lead dragon, Barthracor, has been sitting in on some of the, um, some of the war meetings and things like that. He responds though by saying, "We've come this far. We're here to do a job." Let us take to the skies and rain down fire that they may regret the day that they've been reborn. I, I totally agree with that. Um, just be careful out there. We don't know what things Birio has up his sleeve, so just keep a, keep a close watch. And there's a time agreed that they will launch their attack to coincide with the rest of the ground troops moving into position to take the island. And Dresden, you are part of the team that is trying to solve the one of the problems, which is there is a massive stone gate blocking the entrance to the island across the first bridge. 
you've got the resources of the army at your disposal, as well as, um, you know, those who can do magic and those sorts of things. And, you know, there is lots of physical strength in your crew as well. Um, how would you solve this problem? Any ideas? Um, can I do an arcane check to see, like, if I know if, I, if there's any magical abilities with this gate? Uh, to see if it has like a yeah, magical or, enchantment or, or, or on it, or if there's something, or, yeah, like a magic spell that I can we can use to try to get it to open. Um, I think you can get close enough to the gate to kind of investigate it. So why don't you give me an Arcana check, and we'll see what you ascertain from that. Oh God, a seven. So not much. <laughs> it's a strong um. seven. It's a strong seven. Dresden, with a seven, you take a look at this gate from a distance. You feel the stonework of the bridge and commune with the universe, trying to get any intel that you can about it. And you gather that there is no strong enchantment on the door, but that the islands are wreathed in dark magic front to back. And there's all kinds of dark magic floating around out there. You're just not sure that magic plays a major role in this door. It is a large reinforced... uh, We're talking you know, 50 feet across and 100 feet tall stone door. Wow. Is there any way for... Send it through hell! <laughs> I don't have that ability anymore. Um, oh, uh, shit. Is there any... Is there a way... Can I see if there's a way to, like, climb? Like, if you can climb up the... Like, are there footholds that I can, like, use to... We can use to try to, like, climb up, like, scale up the door? Or is it all solid and there's... Give me an investigation. Okay. Uh... Much better. 19. Doesn't look like ah, it. Well. It looks like that would be super unsafe. It's straight up, and there is a lip at the top that you would have to climb inverted for like 15 feet to reach the edge, and then it's another sheer straight up smooth stone face to climb. So yeah, climbing or flying over it or like roping over it feels like it's going to be a big challenge, and... If the island is completely empty and you don't have any opponents on the other side, and that's the only way to get in and open the gate, that seems like it'll work. Right. Um, but if you're if you're having any kind of combat or resistance from inside, then it's not going to be a great plan. Why don't you give me a history check? Eighteen. You vaguely remember as you're looking at this large stone gate that at some point in your travels, you you remember someone blasting open a seemingly impenetrable door into a mountain cave in Call College. I'm going to go and look for Professor Ali Doiswin. You find Ali Doiswin working on his mech suit, and he's got Fabius and Damien there helping him out. They are both inside of mech suits and appear souls are contained in crystal files that are anchored at the center of their mech suits. Uh, and mm-hmm. he appears to have brought a large amount of supplies to create and build things in his shop before the battle. Perfect. Uh, Professor, may I have a moment of your time? Of course you may. What can I help you with? Um, we need to get inside. We need to blow up this gate. And uh, I remember that you... Uh, blew a hole in a mountain at Call College and was hoping that you could help with uh, maybe uh, blowing up this giant door that we need to get past. One of the two mech suits alongside him stands and looks in your direction, says, 
Yes, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> I love blowing shit up. Uh, uh, yes, Fabius is quite the fan of the, the odd explosive, so I think I could rig up something right quick. Now, are we trying to blow the gates, or are we waiting for the uh, air support to get there first? Um, we, we do need to blow the gates, but uh, maybe we should wait to hear from the dragons first. But we should... All right, here's what I'll do. I'll rig it up, and we can place place the explosives and then turn around and get a safe distance away with the device that will trigger the explosion. I've gotten a little bit more advanced with my wiring, you see. Ah, perfect. That sounds, that sounds great. And then when we get the okay from the dragons, we can blow up the bridge, and we'll go from there. Perfection. And he goes to work whipping up a large explosive for you to use to blast open the gates. And that goes fine. And he builds this explosive device that can be anchored at the base of the two doors of the gate right where they open. It may not knock them off of their hinges, but it should certainly cause enough force to open them or blow a hole in the center of the gate so that you can get inside. And along with his buddies Fabius and Damien they carry this large explosive up to the gates and walk back with its trigger wire nothing attacks them from inside when they get close to the gates and as they get a safe distance away the dragons take flight and you watch as these massive flying beasts take to the sky one at a time following behind their leader Barthracor who is a large black-scaled dragon, and there are several silver dragons, a blue dragon, a red dragon, and a white dragon in their midst, and they fly over the ocean and over the island, and you see Barthacor hurl a stream of black smoke and fire from his mouth onto the surface of the island. Um, the island, by the way, is is larger than it looks from a distance, and so these dragons, they're not big enough to kind of scour it in one pass. And each of the dragons does the same. They They cast down with their breath weapons as they fly over, and as they circle around to come back, suddenly it appears as if the sky has grown cloudy between the shore and where they have flown just to the other side of this island, as if a great black cloud is suddenly in between you and them. You can make them out, but just faintly. Can you give me an investigation, both of you? Am I am I here now, too? Yeah. 16. Ooh, that's, oh. a cri- that's a critical <laughs> fail for me. You're not, you're looking down. The- it's an 11, but it's a Still critical fail. Still an 11. Yeah. Justin's looking the wrong way, <laughs> but Macecore... Your keen ranger eyes can make no doubt of what you're seeing. You are seeing a massive cloud, so many that it's a thick, dark cloud of giant bats that have emerged from somewhere beyond the island and are now crowding the skies where the dragons are trying to fly. And you watch as the dragon's flight patterns change. Some of them veer off, and a few fly higher into the sky because they are now 
beset by these clouds of bats that are trying to latch onto them and bite them and they can't do that much damage but what they can do is weigh them down and throw off their flight and so you watch as the dragons turn their attention now to these clouds of bats and they start hurling their fire through the sky uh, and you see dozens of bats with each breath weapon falling from the sky in in a fireball but there are so many and as the dragons veer off and climb through the sky, you soon lose sight of them. And all you can see now are the occasional flash of bright fire from farther up in the sky. And from within the island, you hear a deep bellowing horn that shakes the ground around you. And from behind you, you hear a horn respond from your own ranks. Uh, it's a dragonborn horn from the army of the dragonborn as they have signaled a charge recognizing that the air superiority that they thought they would have on the island may not be there but the time is now if they're going to make their attack before the enemy has mustered and charged down on you and so ali doiswin pulls the plunger and pushes it in and his explosive device rocks the landscape and a bright flash of light and a massive explosive sound blinds and deafens everyone within 200 feet. And as you blink and catch your breath, you can see that it has blasted open the two doors leading onto the first island. Mm. Good. And Heck the yes. battle has begun. Oh, oh my god, god, the battle for all of Finradel! Macecore and Dresden, you have your flanking... Soldiers of Lyle and Officer Jerry and Draxar and Mario and the six of you are leading the first foot units through this gate. And actually what I'll say is that I think some of the Dragonborn cavalry charge ahead on their... What are they mounted on, by the way? Did we decide that? I think it was like camels or was it horses? Uh, not horses, like axe beaks and camels and lizards oh, yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah, there, some of them were riding giant lizards. I love that. Um, so there's a variety of creatures that charge through and the dragonborn soldiers pass through and they don't seem to be facing too much resistance at the gate. And you see them fanning out to the left and right. So they've obviously spotted some opponents and have met resistance. And then you are the first foot soldier unit that's going to go through the gate and you charge forward. As you pass through the gate, you can see that... The island is now occupied by a crowd of undead creatures. So we are the first people through, or there are like other cavalry that went through? So it's sort of like chaos breaks out all at once, and your unit is now face-to-face with this unit of undead. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm going to move all of you into the uh, island a little further here. All right, so uh, we are an initiative. Can you all roll initiative for me, please? Or just you two, I guess. Let me pull up the initiative order here. 23. Oh, 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 damn. 19. Oof, some bad rolls there for the last couple of guys. What you see in front of you is a shambling horde of zombies of various shapes and sizes, most of them looking very decayed, but these zombies, to your eyes, are a bit more animated than some of the others that you've experienced throughout your journeys and they also appear a bit more aware of their surroundings and as they see unmounted soldiers coming through the gate they 
immediately turn toward you and you can tell that you're in their sights. And the battle is raging all across this plateau now. And the first person to react is Dresden. And you see about, how many of them are there? Let's see. I count 17. 7, 10, 15, 17. Yeah, there's 17 plus of them in front of you. Excellent. And there are they are they spread out, or are they just like in a big horde, kind of? They're in a pretty big horde. The whole plateau is pretty crowded with uh, undead beasts. So Dresden's going to just cast a fireball just right in the middle of, of this horde. All right. Let's toss it. All right. Now, uh, so one of my things is I have what's called a signature spell, which I can have ready at any time, and it doesn't uh, count as a spell slot, and fireball is my signature spell, or one of them at least. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it is. <laughs> uh, so it says uh, a bright uh, streak flashes from your pointy finger to a point you choose within range and then bl- and then blossoms with a low roar into an explosion of flame each creature in a 20 foot radius sphere centered on that point must make a dexterity saving throw a target takes 8d6 fire damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful save the fire spreads around corners it ignites flammable objects in the area that uh, aren't being uh, that aren't being worn or carried. All right. So the spell save is a DC of 18. All right. I love it. Um, let me roll. So what is their save? It's a dexterity save? Yeah, and it's 18. All right. We're going to do... And what is, like, the special nature of it you said there like you, you have like a preference towards fireball now uh it's a it's a signature spell so i can cast it at oh, okay. any time and it doesn't count as a spell slot ah okay that makes sense it's really cool god all right, those I were rolled. dog shit rolls <laughs> a lot of them yeah, were really I'll say. pretty much um, all of them were really bad there's like i think all of them failed all, all of them did fail. Uh, although i don't think it's gonna hit all of them where are you putting this fireball uh so i'm thinking like Right in this area here. Okay, and it's a twenty. Is it a twenty foot radius or a twenty foot circle? Uh, it's a twenty it's a foot radius. radius. Wow. So that is it's a forty foot diameter. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty big. All right, roll that beautiful damage for All me. All right, so it is eight d sixes. So damn right it is. Eight of them. So I'll just do. Uh, four, and then four, so that's 20 plus 14, that's 34 damage. All right, and they're all going to take full damage because you hit them all without them saving. All right, let's see. That one's dead. Oop, hold on. All right, so you cast a fireball, and it just immolates this entire group of zombies. They are just left as chattering husks of bone and their skeletons drop to the ground as they have ceased to exist. And there is a group of them off to the right now that looks in your direction after they see this fireball and they start to shamble in your direction. And you've also got the attention of even more of them on that side as they've seen this bright light. Good. The horde oh, is growing. God. It keeps. <laughs> there are more and more of them. <laughs> God. Um. All right. Next up is Mace Core. Save me, Mace Core. Mm. 
So what I'm gonna do is, um, uh, and my my bow is ice, by the way. Um, so I would like to use volley. Um, you can use my action to make a range attack against any number of creatures within ten feet of a point that I can see with my weapon's range. You must have oh, ammunition for each target as normal and make a separate attack roll for each. Oh, that's badass. So, Jordan, does that... I also have Horde Breaker on each of my turns when I make a weapon attack. I can make another attack with the same weapon if the creature's within five feet of the original target. Should I... Do I get to just use Ooh, one? interesting. Do those wow. stack? I think... Oh, he gets infinite attacks. It's Because if those stack... I think yeah, I think you that's would just up like to expand you out and DM. out and out, which is pretty cool. Um, that's up to you, I think. So I'm gonna, I'll say, I think stop after the first or the second the iteration, in, the initial target. So if you hit one in the middle yeah. one, that just be the five feet around but, that guy. Yeah, well, but if yeah, he can hit just... anything within ten feet of a point, mm, mm-hmm, they would all mm-hmm. be his initial target. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I would do but volley. Then so. it, but then it would just be like an initial five feet past that. So he essentially gets. Like what? Like a like a twenty five foot yeah, radius. Like a twenty five foot radius attack, or or a, a fifteen foot radius, which yeah. pretty much covers this whole group if you aim for the center. Which I would like to do. Um, I will allow it. Wow. So I have to make an. Uh, oh my god, there's so many of them. So it's up to you. Do you want me to make an individual roll for each of them, or do you want me to just do like two separate <laughs> rolls, like one for the first attack, one for the second? No, I'd rather, uh, why don't we do, we'll do like, uh, uh, there's like three clusters of them that I'm seeing. So let's yeah. just do three separate attack rolls oh, yeah. mm-hmm. to see okay. whether so for the in groups of them. Okay, for the first attack, because then I get to attack again. Right. Okay. So yeah, so just roll three separate attacks and then three separate attacks again. So six total. 21. That's going to hit that group. 25. That'll hit too. Twenty. They all hit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use, um, my 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 new thing. It's called Foe Slayer. At twentieth level, I become an unparalleled hunter. One on once on each of my turns, I can add my Wisdom modifier to the attack roll or the damage roll of an attack I make against one of my favorite enemies. You can choose to use this feature. Before, after the roll, but before any of the effects of the roll are applied, um, oh. my it's not that good. My well, it, it's not that good because I didn't I didn't level it up as much as I should have. But it's three, so I'm gonna add. Yeah, just add like three damage to each of those. That's pretty sweet. Is it to each or is it just to one? I think to each. This is all counting as one turn's attack. Okay, so, so I'm gonna add three damage to each of these. So ten. I can't do math. Eighteen and 19. All right. Let me do something then. And they all do freezing. So, you know, I don't know if that makes a difference. Uh, all right. So about a third of the zombies are decapitated <laughs> by your arrows. Um, about a third of them lose, lose at least one arm. And there were a few of those that didn't have two arms to begin with. So they've got no arms now. <laughs> And actually, that happens to pretty much all of them. So um, you're not taking off legs because you kind of aim your volley up, but you are taking off heads, 
Um, the ones who's, who lose their heads, uh, they are like wandering around aimlessly now, and you see a couple of them head off in the other direction. <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Head off. Hey! Oh, yeah. Got ah. I didn't mean to do <laughs> yes. that, but... Um, ah. And the ones that lose their limbs, um, they look less dangerous. You're not sure if they are, but but pretty much all of them, except for the first volley of arrows that you shoot, uh, the rest of them look bloodied, or at least in really bad shape now. And I believe you get a second attack on all of them. 26. That'll hit. 25. That's going to hit. 28. That's going to hit. You do a lot of good bow attacks, don't you? I do. Um... <laughs> However, without that modifier, his first rolls were an 8, a 12, and a 7. So. Yeah, seriously. Classic mace core. <laughs> um, so I've already used the foe slayer. So not an additional 9, an additional 7, and an additional 11. You see the first group that are closest to you, several of them on the second volley of arrows that you launch, they are pinned down and some of them stumble and fall and are embedded with other arrows as they fall from the sky as you've just unleashed a volley, a rapid volley. Um, so the the first third of them are dead. The second third of them are clinging to undead life just barely, and only those in the back are really still on their feet at this point. There's a group of them that kind of shuffle forward um, over the dead bodies of their former colleagues. God. <laughs> um, so you've taken out a good wave of them. Uh, how I do this is um, I have like a massive satchel of arrows on my back, and I'm just taking at least like five at a time and i'm pointing my bow upward into the you know the air which will land on them and i'm just like shooting like have like five of them in between my fingers at a time and just like blasting them up i feel like your reload time is super quick too it's like i put a bunch of them out in front of me and it just boom 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 uh is that it for your turn that's it all right cool next up is lyle spellgood who's going to move over next to you, Macecore, as he sees this healthier horde of zombies shuffling towards you, and he is going to cast... He's going to cast Call Lightning. And as part of this spell, if there's already a storm going on, which there is now, instead of calling a storm to create this lightning, it is going to... uh, He's going to instead take control over the existing storm instead of creating a new one. And under such conditions, the spell's damage increases by 1d10. He's casting this at level 3. It is going to create a... uh, Let's see. It's going to be a point in the air where a storm cloud could appear 100 feet directly above you. Um, And so Lyle is going to step forward before casting this from his original position behind Dresden. And he puts himself right in the middle of the zombie horde by quickly shuffling out there while they're occupied with Mace Core's arrows, and he calls down lightning from above. When you cast a spell, choose a point you can see within range. A bolt of lightning flashes down from a cloud to that point. Each creature within five feet of that point must make a dexterity saving throw. A creature takes 3d10 lightning damage, which will be four in this case, or half as much on a successful one. On each of your turns until the spell ends, you can use your action to call down lightning in this way again. So I am going to... 
And this can last uh, concentration up to 10 minutes, so this is good. Holy shit. Um, wow. He's going to call down lightning on the four zombies that were not looking so hot from Mace Core's attack. And I'm just going to roll the damage because even if they save, I think this is probably going to wipe them out. That's a shitty roll. Oh. Uh, uh, 12. <laughs> all right, let me roll a spell or a uh, save for them. Oh my god, they oh, got a 16. Wow. Uh. Lyle's spell save is a 17, so he's okay on that. All right, they didn't save, just barely. So they're going to take 12 lightning damage, and you see four more of these zombies quickly illuminated by a bolt of lightning as it strikes the ground near them, and then the bright light just shows their skeletons inside of them, and then when it fades, it's nothing but a skeleton left. Oh, that's cool. And they are destroyed. And there's now another group of them shambling toward you. And Mario is the next to react. And he steps forward, Mace Core, and puts himself between you and the shambling horde. And he says, Don't worry, Mar- Mace Core, it's me, a Mario. <laughs> and he is going to cast Fireball. Um, now, he's going to have to aim this carefully because he... Needs to aim it in such a way that it doesn't hit Lyle or Mace Core, so he kind of places it, um, unlike Dresden's that was right in the middle of a horde, he's going to just have to aim it over the horde. And it has to be really careful because there's some like good guys fighting on the other side there too. So that's where he places his fireball, just beyond the horde of five shambling zombies. And they're going to take either 38 fire damage or half as much if they save, which is not going to be... Uh, able to be done by them. They've taken too much damage. So he immolates the last five zombies that are shambling toward you. Now the only ones left are wandering off because they've lost their heads. As you're standing there, you see the piles of bones from these scalded zombie husks. And you hear something that almost sounds like a woodblock or a percussion instrument of like a hard substance on a hard substance. And, and it's like a rattle and you start to see the bones vibrating Mm-mm. and clattering on the ground, Mm-mm. but they don't form back up into zombies, but you see them start to roll off into the di- dark distance toward the far side of this platform. And you watch as these bones form up into these great piles, and not only is it bones, but it's the remains and body parts from all of the creatures that were slain by the dragons before the bats interfered, and by the cavalry and all the other soldiers here on the platform. And they form up into these two hulking beasts. They have gray skin, beady eyes, and giant gnashing teeth as well as they've, they're just ripped. They got these giant biceps. Each of them is about 15 to 20 feet tall. God, holy And hell. the two of them form up, and as they're forming, you hear one of them roar, and they turn and slam their fists on the ground as they start to charge in your direction. And it is Officer Jerry's Let's turn. Let's go, Jerry. Let's go. Get him. Get him, Jerry. Come on. Jerry is going to move forward just a bit and place himself in front of everyone. Um, He's going to lay a hand on Draxar, who has also stepped forward with him, and he's going to cast Enhance Ability. And he is going to give Draxar 
bull's strength, which means that the target has advantage on strength checks and his or her carrying capacity doubles. Um, actually, you know what? No, he's going he's gonna to give him bear's endurance, which means the target has an advantage on constitution checks and also gains 2d6 temporary hit points. So Draxar is going to gain 3, 5 hit points. And he stands up a little taller, and Draxar is a formidable creature, but these undead creatures that are charging at you are much bigger than him. And it is their turn. And both of them cover the distance between you rapidly as they charge across oh, the plateau. Alright, let's see what they can do. Seems like a big critter. Alright, these guys are going to make three attacks each, one with their bite... And two with its claws. Holy shit. I know that. (laughs) Lyle is standing farther forward than the rest of you in his storm cloud. And one of these two gray beasts charges him down and is going to attempt to swipe at him twice with its claws and then bite him. And we'll roll those attacks now. That is a 14... On the first claw, wow, that's a bad roll too. That's a 12 on the second claw. Yeah. Both of those miss. Then for the bite, that is a 14 again. Holy shit. He just got super lucky. With all that lightning Let's in his face, Lyle. it's hard to see. Wow, and so he maintains concentration on his spell too. Hell yeah. Um, Next up is the other creature, and it has moved forward toward Draxar, Macecore, and Mario, and it's going to hit each of them with one of its attacks. That is a nat 20 on Draxar. Oh, that's not good. Uh, for a claw attack. So that is Very going bad. to be 11. Uh, so doubled 22 slashing damage for Draxar as he is swept. Ac- it sweeps across his chest. Next is uh, Mario with a, with a swiped claw attack as well. That's a crit fail. One. Whew. It misses Mario. And its claws sink into the stone as it tries to stab down at Mario and its arm is now stuck there and it reaches out its jaws to try to bite Macecore in the same breath. And that is a 17. That's going to hit. That is going to do 15 piercing damage, Macecore. As you feel its jaws close down on your leg and it doesn't fully pierce your armor, but it definitely gets through a little bit. And those are his new silks. And my new, my new freaking armor. I'm pissed. Hi everyone, this is Josh, your Dresden, with this week's surprise cameo mid-roll announcements. First, if you do listen, thank you very much for listening. If you could please rate and review us, that would be great so we can get out to even more people. If you want to hear more things like our inside jokes or maybe a map or something, then please join our Patreon. I want to thank our current Patreons, Junior, Johanna, and Mario. We are almost at the end, so I hope you've enjoyed our campaign, and let's get back to see what kind of crazy shenanigans we're going to get into this week.
Felosial, you've been traveling on the SS Thornberry for about a day and a half, and the seas have grown choppier and choppier. Captain Rogers on the OS Spitfire next to the SS Thornberry has really been leading the way with the navigation and even managed to navigate the ships through a tricky whirlpool that had formed in one of the harbors along the way. The wind is whipping, so your sails are at danger of tattering and shredding, just as the light of the active volcano can be seen over the horizon. As you are approaching the island chain, you start to see flashes of light above the islands, and you hear on the wind just a a faint sound of a war horn sounding from somewhere on the islands, and then it's responded to by a higher pitched horn with a clearer sound coming from the land and suddenly you can start to hear the faint sounds of battle and as that happens Francis your father is standing there with you alongside Piper and Emily and Luke Lou and Langford from the horn Langford who you have learned since being rescued from the hermitage is the one who procured all of these resources and came to find you and followed the prophecy so that he could help to unite you with the Brotherhood. Justin Pinkerton from Waterdeep is here as well, and it turns out that he was also a member of the Brotherhood, as well as Burke from the Hearth. And the Thornberry climbs over the waves that are growing in size as you approach the islands, and once you are within range of the shore you spot where the battle is happening. It's on the first of three large islands off the coast of Vulcan Point. And as you can see where you're headed, Langford stands up on the deck right at the bow. And he says, This battle has been foretold in our prophecies for centuries. Our vigil is now over, and now we are called to protect the wielder of the blade. She will reach Zargon's throne. She will bring light to the world and send that demon back to whence he came. I ask each of you, are you prepared to give your all to rid this world of evil? We shall look fear in the face and it will balk at our resolute gaze. We will feel no fear, but our enemies will fly before us. For it is written, Onward, brothers! Charge! And as he says that, that says Thornberry, makes landfall, a hard, heavy landfall with the rocky island. And you can pick out a sort of weaving, cutback staircase in the side of this island that will take you to the top of the plateau. You could not reach it from any other direction. And Langford leads the charge down the ramp of Nigel's yacht, which is now badly damaged. Piper is looking around the deck as this is all happening, and she is armored. She has gotten herself a set of armor. Emily is not. And Piper and Emily are talking on the side and you can see Piper say something to Emily and Emily returns to the steering wheel of the ship as she's going to try to salvage it, get it to safety. And Piper charges down the ramp with the rest of the Brotherhood. And you're left standing there with Francis on the deck, Felosiel. What do you do? I'll, I'll charge after them. Or with them. All right, dope. Um, yeah. So this this landing party 
is made up of a bunch of people. The ones that I just read from your ship, as well as the crew of the Spitfire, which includes Jacoby Darlington, Captain Rogers, Traeger Bellamy. Um, they're all there unloading from the Spitfire, which Captain Rogers just head, headlong crashes her ship into this cliff. Dealing with the consequences later is sort of her style. And she pulls out her scimitar and charges up the ramp. And so you've got quite a nice little landing party there. And Piper is ready to go. I look back at Francis to see if he's coming. Oh, yeah. He's coming. Okay. Uh, Alex, why don't you tell us what Francis does? Uh, I think Francis just... God, it's hard to describe the look that he would give Felosiel. It's like a look that says, I've got your back kind of thing. And then he just starts charging. Because, yeah, she started running and then thought to look over at him and see if he was coming along. That's right. Just sort of a reassuring look, nod, and like he's just fiercely running forward and up the stairs. I love it. What does Gollum say? And up, up, up. <laughs> That's what Francis says. And into the tunnel. <laughs> well, she might turn and oh, push him off the side if yeah, he does yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, she takes a piece of Wampus bread, shoves it in his face, and then pushes him off the stairs. So we're going to add some new people to our initiative order. Let's do it. So, Felosio, can you go ahead and roll some initiative for me, please? That's a four, a.k.a. a natural one. Oof. But a four. Get him out of the way. Get him out of the way. Yep. All right, let's get everybody in order, then. This is going to be fun. All right, so let's start with uh, the folks charging up the ramp, because I think you all will get a turn in here, and then we'll get back to our full order. Um, The first of those to react is Francis, who charges up the ramp and so Francis charges up the ramp and he takes out uh, a long sword that he has in one hand and a hand axe in the other um, nah, strike that he just has a long sword he's going two-handed here and he slashes at the zombies with a long sword attack and that's gonna be a non-natural 20 on his first attack on the first zombie for 15 slashing damage, and now I'm going to roll a d20, and that's a 6, which means that the zombie loses a leg, and it topples over, and is incapacitated, so that zombie is effectively out of the battle, and then he charges a few more steps forward, and he's going to slash at another zombie with his longsword with his second attack, and it is a 20, again. And this time for 10 slashing damage. So let me roll that beautiful zombie extra damage. That's a nat 20. He decapitates the second zombie. Mm. And it goes shambling off into the darkness. Ha, nerd. (laughs) Does he get three attacks or just two? Extra attack, extra attack. He gets two. Nice. uh, Two extras. So he's going to have a third third swing of the sword. A 30 this time. Oh my god, what? For 11 slashing damage, and this one is going to uh, take off one of the zombie's arms in front of him. The zombie's still on its feet, but not looking too hot. And it's missing an arm now. Next up over in that area is going to be 
Piper. And Piper has been equipped now with some real stuff. And she is going to take out a, a small javelin. She has a set of five of these that she wears across her back in a fan pattern. And she pulls one out very deftly and throws it at the zombie that Francis just attacked and chopped the arm off of. That's for a 13, which is going to hit. Hey! And it's going to do four piercing damage. Yay, Piper! She she did it. She's going to throw another one as well uh, with her second attack for 23. That's better. That's going to hit. And that is for three piercing damage. So she doesn't take the zombie down entirely, but it is getting pretty wobbly on its feet. Next up is the zombies. They are going to all shamble toward Francis for a multi-attack. Two with their claws and two with their bites. Uh, The claw attacks are a 10, a 10, and a 10, and an 8. The bite attack is a 10. Those are some god-awful Wow. So Francis is able to deftly dodge out of the way as these zombies try to encapsulate him. Uh, which brings us to Felosiel, who is charging up behind them. What do you do? I have the blade of Umberly at my hip in its sheath, and I'll be using uh, Raider's Edge, my longsword, at least for now, trying not to draw too much attention to the prize. Yeah. Mm, Fair enough. So I'll go two-handed. The first attack is a 14. That'll hit. And it's uh, if there are two creatures within five feet, they both get hit. Oh, yeah. You hit two of them. Yeah. 14 slashing. All right. Let me roll to see what you do to them. Uh, one of them, you take off an arm. The other one, you take off their head. Um, Got it. Were you hitting the one that Francis was already hitting? Yeah. I'll probably charge in, assuming we're kind of fanning out in like a arc. And, well, and I would also say, just assume there's a horde of these zombies. It could be more than the individual tokens that I have on there. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so you you take down uh, one zombie by decapitating it and take off an arm of another one. Okay, I've got two more attacks. All right, roll them. A 16 to hit. That's going to hit. For 17 damage to two of them. All right, you take off a leg and an arm, and they're looking pretty bad. And then uh, a 12 to hit. That is going to (laughs) miss. I'm tired already. Because it's a crit fail. Now, as that happens, the rest of you have just been engaged with these creatures. And the large gray creatures have smashed through some zombie hordes to get to you. And as they smash the zombies, they seem to grow just a bit. So you are facing a tough task as it is. As... Felosiel's column of fighters charges up on your flank. You don't necessarily see them, but you can see that the zombies and these monsters, these gray monsters, have turned their attention in that direction just a bit. And one of the large gray monsters turns and charges off in that direction. So Draxar, Macecore, and Mario will each get an opportunity attack on that creature as it charges away. So if you could roll that for me that would be delicious that's a 22 with draxar's what does draxar use as a weapon did we ever establish that the big sword 
Either, yeah, yeah, a sword or a scimitar of some kind. Yeah, he's got a giant scimitar. Uh, he gets a 22 with that attack. That's going to hit. And it's going to do 16 slashing damage to the creature. And Macecore, you are using your bow. Yep. What'd you get? I got a 20. And what's your damage? 13. That's going to hit. 7 piercing, 6 freezing. All right. Seven piercing, six freezing, so thirteen total. And Mario, hmm. Mario is going to try to just make an unarmed strike and punch this thing as it runs away from him. <laughs> Sounds right. That's a seven. That's not going to hit. He punches its leg and it doesn't do anything to it, but it keeps running. Um, it's charging now toward Felosio, dividing its attention. So we're back to the top of the order. Uh, not, uh, and that's going to be Dresden who reacts next. What do you do? So, my other signature spell is uh, Psionic Blast. You unleash a destructive wave of mental power in a 30-foot uh, cone. Each creature in the area must make a dexterity saving throw. On a fail, save a target takes 5d8 force damage, is pushed 20 feet directly away from you, and is knocked prone. On a successful save, a target takes half as much damage and isn't pushed or knocked prone. Um, so I'm going to be directing it. I guess I'll have to step forward a little bit because I'm not trying to hit uh, Officer Jerry or Draxar. So I'll step forward a little bit and kind of cast it, like trying to avoid Lyle. Although I guess it may not be sure be fully avoidable, but just trying to direct it and just like push him away from Lyle and also hit him and knock him prone. That's a big creature. I think you could probably manage that. Okay. Uh, and what's the spell sa- uh, uh, save that they spell make? Spell save, dexterity saving, says 18. Dang. That is a 19. God bless oh. it. Uh, all right. Well, he takes half as much. So is that 2d8 or 3d8? Or 2.5d8? Uh, roll the 5d8 and divide by uh, okay. 2. Damn it. That's 18, 28, so 16. No, 14. Yeah, 14. 14 damage. All right. 14, uh, let's see, 14 force damage. All right, good. And it's not knocked prone or anything. Correct. It's um, not pushed back at all. Got it. Nice hit, sort of. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> Better next than nothing. Yeah, well. Is Francis Fleetfoot, and he is going to see this larger creature coming at you. He's going to run through the zombies to try to get closer to the big creature. He's taking it head on. And he is going to... He's going to pull out his longbow and take a shot at the large gray creature that's charging him down. And that is a 12. That's going to miss. I guess he gets multiple attacks since that's his action, so he'll try three times. A 22 and a 15. The 22 is going to hit. And his arrow does five piercing damage to the creature as it charges toward him, but the arrow does not seem to slow its progress in any way. Next up is Macecore. Could you tell me the the health on each of these? Nope. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Got him! Showed me. Got me. Got him. I'm going to cast Hunter's Mark, which is a bonus action. Um, And I'm going to choose the creature closer to it. Closer to me. Okay. 
uh, I guess um, the one that has not gone towards Francis. Uh, yeah. Because I don't know where he's going, and I'm just like, whatever. I don't know. He's running somewhere else. Um, until the spell ends, I deal an extra 1d6 damage to the target whenever I hit it with a weapon attack. And I have advantage on any wisdom or uh, no perception or survival check I make to find it. But whatever. Okay, um, cool. With that, I'm going to go... Uh, I'm gonna go shoot some arrows at it. All right, take some shots. Uh, first attack is a twenty-nine. That'll hit. Second attack is a fifteen. That's gonna miss. But I'm gonna add my oh. three to that, so it's eighteen. Oh yes, get him. Uh, that'll hit. Nice. Hooray. Woo. Um, so I do nine plus ten, nineteen damage. It looks angry. That's not a good thing. (laughs) That's not a good thing. Next up is Lyle Spellgood. And Lyle is still concentrating, and the storm is still raging straight above him in the sky, and he is going to once again call lightning, Uh and this time aim it at this large gray creature. The creature must make a dexterity saving throw, which it does, and it gets a... 14, which is not enough. It does not save. And Lyle is going to do 4d10 damage to the creature, consequently. That's pretty good. That is... That's going to be 15 plus 10, 25 lightning damage. I like it. That's on the, that's on the better side of that. down the sky. Weak. Hey, we're all on the same team here, Keegan. Lyle is still standing there concentrating. Next up is Piper. Yay! Get him, Piper. She sees Francis charging forward toward this beast and is going to try to get herself into a position to huck a javelin at the large beast in front of her, and that's what she's going to attempt to do. Um, She tosses a javelin in its direction. That's an eight. She misses this time. She doesn't have the shoulder strength to get it there. Um, She tries again, and it's a 20. That's going to hit. Her second javelin connects for eight piercing damage as the creature charges, and it continues to charge toward you now with arrows and a javelin sticking out of it, seemingly not bothering it that much. Next up is... It's the creature next to Lyle. It's been shocked and arrowed, and it's angry, and it's going to slash and claw at at Lyle twice. And that's going to be... A 23 on the first claw, a 18 on the second, Mm. and a 17 on the bite. And all of those are going to hit Lyle. Oh, good. He's a squishy wizard. He's very squishy. Although, (laughs) I don't know. Based off of Dresden's stats, I think wizards might be pretty stout. (laughs) 27 damage to Lyle. Ouch. Hmm. And it breaks his concentration. Actually, I think he gets to make a constitution saving throw to see if he breaks his concentration. I think it's either 10, beating a 10, or half of the damage he took. So it would have to be a 13. He got a, a 5, so that's not good enough. So his the storm sort of fades above Lyle and goes back to looking more natural as this creature slashes him and bites him, and you see him stumble back uh, under its weight. He's in trouble. Next up, the zombies are going to... 
they are in disarray and there's too many targets for them to focus on. So they're just going to kind of shamble around and they get close enough that one of them tries to bite Piper. No! No. And that is going to be... I oh. guess it's going to do a, uh, a multi-attack, actually, and it gets a crit success no. on the bite, and then a 14 and a 7 on its two subsequent attacks. And let's see what Piper's armor class is. Oh, she's good. So only the bite is going to hit. Whew. And that is going to be four... Let's say six. Can that possibly be right? I guess so. Two plus four. Yep. Uh, Piper takes six damage from this zombie, and Felosio, you hear her cry out as its <gasps> teeth sink into her shoulder. Next up is a Mario. And Mario is going to attempt an acrobatics check to leap up onto the back of this gray creature that's biting Lyle. Oh, God. <laughs> so let's have Mario roll that. That is a 19 for acrobatics. So he manages to vault off of the creature's elbow, and he lands on its head. He grabs onto it and is going to... What is he going to do from there? <laughs> Plunger the attack. Yeah. <laughs> fireball. He is going <laughs> to... He's going to fireball in its mouth. <laughs> uh... Shove a turtle into its mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Put his hat and gag him. He pulls out a man-eating plant. He's going to whisper I feel like he doesn't... Okay, all right, here's what he's going to do. He pulls out a plunger. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And he tries to stick it to the creature's head. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, yank the creature's head back away from Lyle. So he's trying to do a sort of assisted grapple. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to roll a... Strength attack for him with a plunger, which he's proficient with, of course. Obviously. Uh, That's a 23. That's not bad. Come on. And the creature resisting with a 15 on his strength check. So Mario manages to wrench the creature's neck back with a plunger, and he's like hanging off the back of it by a plunger now. Super smart move, kind of. I love (laughs) it. Now he'll get like disadvantage on because he's grappled, right? Kind of? Uh, yeah, he is grappled. Or at least very distracted. Yeah, so, yeah, right. uh, advantage on attacks against it for the time being. And I feel like Mario probably does something like... Whoa! Next up is Felosiol. What do you do? So, I want to do Flame Blade if you think well, I guess I'll do it this time, but I am wondering, with Flame Blade, you evoke a fiery blade in your free hand. The blade is similar in size and shape to a scimitar. Um, it's a bonus action. You can use your action to make a melee spell attack with the fiery blade. Since I can do three attacks, can I do it with this, since it's a melee attack, technically, or no? Mm, let's see. You can use your action to make... A melee spell attack with the fiery blade. So can you summon and use it on the same turn? It's a bonus action, so... Oh, this it says the casting time is a bonus action, though. Yeah, so that's why I'm wondering action. if I can... Like, is it a blade in my hand now and I can do three attacks, or is it just one attack? It says you're making a melee spell attack. Mm-hmm. 
So it's up to you, like however you want to play it. I've summoned it, so at least for this round, I'll be using it. But I mean, I don't feel like three d six is all that much more than your usual blade does. So I'm not uncomfortable with you just using it for the uh, up to ten minutes of concentration that you can have it. That's fine with me. It's summoned. Use it. Um, Wield it. So uh, twenty eight. That's going to hit. What are you trying to hit, by the way? Is Piper's near me, right? Yep. Yeah, that one, that just bit Piper. All right, good. Uh, 28, an 18, and a dirty 20 for my three. All hits. will hit. Wow. Wow. And each of those is what? 3d6 fire yep. damage. 11 damage. All right. Oof, six damage. Still on its feet. Even with fire damage? Yep. And 15. Uh, tell me how you kill it. Nice. Ah! Good. Look at that Good. roll. Mm. I guess I just see, uh, hear and see that Piper's getting attacked and run up to this zombie boy and just start hacking away kind of at its side or wherever it's kind of biting her just trying to get it off probably kind of frantic hacking kind of francis kind of francis hacking all right you do it you take it down and it falls to the ground in a smoldering pile and you see its bones shuffle off into the darkness which is very weird for you because you haven't seen that happen yet indeed how far did i move some there uh yeah you would have had to move a little bit so I, if I've moved up to Piper and I still have some moving, I want to start heading towards the big gray. That big gray monster is near us now, right? Yeah, it's been. It is charging toward you. It hasn't made it all the way to you yet. And Francis was kind of getting ready to square off with it or something. Yeah, I think I want to. I want to move towards that, and be ready for it on the front line if I can get past like if there's I guess I'm not taking opportunity attacks so however close I can get to it I'm heading that way towards the biggest threat gotcha what's your speed because you probably use like 35 35 Mm. so you can get to roughly where Francis is probably Um, but you're going to probably face at least one opportunity attack if you go straight there I'll just stop at my next blockade Okay, so you're going to go next to the zombies. Yes. Okay. And you're yeah, you're about 10 feet from Francis, who has made it a little further along, and the zombies are around you. But now you have a clear path to Francis and this thing, uh, if you can get the zombies off of you. Perfect. Next up is the large gray creature, which is going to charge toward Francis and launch itself at him and make a... Two claw attacks and a bite attack. That is a 28 on the first claw. Ugh. A 28 on the second claw. Oh. And a 26 on the bite. It seems like high. <laughs> All of which are going to hit. Yeah, he's been rolling bad up till now. Uh, that's a good roll for Francis. So that is going to be 29 damage mm. to Francis. Woo. That's a lot of damage. Mm-mm-mm. Gotta save him. And he gets knocked back, and he's knocked prone between 
you and this creature, Felosiel. Next, back to Draxar with his mighty one. Uh, Draxar, seeing Mario dangling this plunger off the back of this creature's head, is going to run forward and attempt to slash its throat by leaping up onto its arm and swinging his mighty blade in its direction. So let's see how his athletics check goes first. It's a 17, not bad. He covers the distance pretty quickly. And his attack is... His first attack is a... Uh, what is that? Uh, a 15, which is going to miss, followed by a 27, which is going to hit. And he is going to do... 18 slashing damage to the creature, which is now looking upset, as if it wasn't before. Good job, Dragzar! Yay! Since that brings us back to the top of the order, maybe that's a good place to stop, and we can pick it up there next time. Yeah. Sure. Works for Lots of battle. Good work, guys. Next time. Save Francis. Hey, I'm doing stuff on the airship. You just you can't. You're just not able to see it. Or can well, we could you? do. We could do an airship scene quick. Uh, nah, we'll get there we when we get to there. We cut Flint. He was picking his nose. And oh wait! Am I on? to the camera and says, "Wait, what? That's I awkward. thought it was off this one." <laughs>